Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. See, I'm I'm nervous to say welcome back to another episode like I used to do all the time. It feels weird not to say it, but I got taken to task on Twitter last week, and uh, now I'm scared to say it. <laughs> Who took you to task? Oh, there's this podcaster that I listen to. Uh, his name is Patrick Beja. He's, he's French, and he's on The Instance. And he put up a big rant on Facebook about how he hates when podcasters say welcome back to another episode of something. And then he like went on this whole like diatribe and I wrote, um, I wrote, I feel personally attacked. And he wrote back and he was like, <laughs> well, if the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, man, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even I like I, I don't I feel uncomfortable saying it now. Well, anytime that someone, even if it's indirectly, calls you out on some type of you know flaw or something that you're doing, it, it makes you a bit self-conscious. Because I know recently with my show, I because I always say "Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast," and I used to yell "Welcome" really loudly, like way higher than the yeah. rest of the intro. <laughs> so the last like three weeks, I've been trying to, to just bring it down from like a ten to about a six. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, getting some. Uh... Some dropped frames on the uh, the uh, Twitch feed, so if anybody's uh, seeing us skip, I may have to end the stream and restart it. So just let me know how it's going, because I'm not watching the actual stream, so those of you in the chat room, let me know. But other than yeah. that, how has your week been? It's been good. I was actually fortunate enough to... Um, Last night, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday night. I restarted my bar trivia career at a uh, newer, new-ish brewery in town uh, called Coastal County. Yeah. They actually opened back in March, three days before everything started to shut down. Yeah. Due to the pandemic. So, um, did that last night. Had a blast. Actually had a really good turnout. Food was good. Drinks were good. So I'll be uh, doing trivia there every Tuesday for the foreseeable future. That's cool. Other than that, um, I I'll talk about this at the end of the show, but there's an exciting new element to my show that I'm incorporating later this week. But other than that, just doing the usual work stuff, you know, trying to stay a bit ahead of the game as far as like work trivia goes and everything. So yeah, just been busy with that. Um. Not too much going on on my end. I'm actually getting signed up to do a Ninja Gaiden tournament next week on Twitch. Uh, Retro Game Brews is putting it on, and uh, I get my time slot this Friday. So if you're interested in watching me, do it. Uh, I have a two-hour time limit to get as far as I can in the game. And, uh, yeah, I'll get my time slot on Friday. And uh, let everybody know when it's going to be. And just join me. It's going to be really good for my channel. And it's going to be fun to do. So uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter this Friday. Once I get my uh, my time slot, I'll let everybody know. Mixmaster has joined us in the chat. What's up, Mixmaster? Um, the usuals are starting to pour in. <laughs> I'm sorry if the stream is a little messed up right now. For some reason, my I am having dropped frames. And I have no idea why. You gotta love technology, and also yeah. I do want to shout out because we're also broadcasting on Facebook as well. Shout out to Patreon member Armez Jackson, who is watching on Facebook Live. So but, good, uh, good crowd tonight. Hell yeah! Well, um, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Sure. This comes to us from I am the Rampage to our uh, nerdcaveretro@gmail.com email account. 
This is from Destructoid.com. Street Fighter producer Yoshinori Ono leaves, leaving Capcom after nearly a 30-year tenure. Um, he has announced his departure from Capcom after an amazing career with a developer spanning three decades. Ono will resign from his roles as Street Fighter executive producer and general Capcom brand manager sometime this summer. He thanked fans in the FGC for supporting him throughout his tenure, referencing the good times, bad times, and non-existent times he has experienced while producing the Street Fighter franchise. He said, My heart is filled with appreciation to those players who have been giving warm and kind support on the brand. Uh, he ended his statement with trademark, Sure you can battle cry. Um, he was originally a sound producer in the early 90s. He worked with franchise, franchises such as Mega Man, uh, Muscle Bomber, Breath of Fire, and Devil May Cry before transitioning to more managerial roles on titles Onimusha, Dawn of Dreams, Dead Rising, Shadow of Rome, and Capcom Fighting Jam. He's considered the driving force behind Street Fighter's spectacular 2008 comeback, um, which by then was essentially a dead franchise by Capcom. He lobbied hard for the Street Fighter 4 and its back-to-basics theoretic, with the sequel launching to incredible success. So this dude's had quite an incredible career, and we want to wish him Godspeed on on everything uh, he's going to enjoy in his retirement. Now maybe he has some time to play some games. Absolutely. I think especially in the age of you know things not lasting very long, yeah. to hear someone you know, leaving after a near 30-year career is a really great accomplishment, so... You know, props to him for all he's done for the gaming industry because you think Street Fighter, you think of you know, one of the most successful franchises, not just for console, but you got to think in arcades as well. Yeah. You know, he's he's left quite the legacy in the gaming world. Absolutely. No, that's that's fantastic. I feel like you put this story in here for me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so this comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Rare turns 35 this week, and they picked uh, 10 highlights from the Nintendo years. Three and a half decades ago this week, British developer Rare was formed. Formerly known as Ultimate Play the Game, the company was created with the express purpose of creating titles for the NES and from the mid-1980s until the early 2000s. The Twycross-based team would deliver some of the finest video games on Nintendo platforms. Nintendo was actually so impressed with Rare's output that an acquisition or two led to it becoming a second-party developer, and in that period it produced several genre-defining classics on Nintendo's 16 and 64-bit consoles, which we all know that Microsoft acquired Rare in the early 2000s, in 2002, mm-hmm. to be specific. And, and they're still around you, know, they're still making games, but it's still nothing like the legacy that they had with oh, yeah. Nintendo, and they actually list some of the best games that Rare made for Nintendo, and that includes uh, Super RC Pro-Am for Game Boy, Battletoads for NES. I don't know why they of put course, Battletoads on here, because <laughs> I tried to play that on stream a few weeks ago. Uh, it was not easy. That game is incredibly hard. I played the Super Nintendo one, and I made it like half an hour, and was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I just, I cannot do it. But of course, you know, they developed the Donkey Kong Country series as well. Mm-hmm. GoldenEye, which is one of the greatest N64 games of all time. The Banjo-Kazooie series, Conker's Bad Fur Day, and Perfect Dark. So they left quite a legacy with Nintendo. And I wish that there was some way that those two companies could get back together. I, I think with Banjo-Kazooie being in Smash Brothers Ultimate, it could be the start of something. If worst case scenario, it's actually being able to play games like Banjo Kazooie on the Switch. Yeah. And they recently added Donkey Kong Country. So maybe there is hope that something will happen down the line between Nintendo and Rare. I didn't know that they did Jet Force Gemini. I liked Mm -hmm. that game. That's another one I wish that they would redo and put on the Switch. That was a fun game. I forgot all about Jet Force Gemini until just now. And I was like, man, I like that game. I'm telling you, if they did a remaster of GoldenEye, <laughs> it would make some serious money. The thing is, if they redid it, they would have to do it. Um, 
they would have to completely rebuild it. Not, you know, of course they'd have to redo it from the ground up, but that it would have to be more of a, um, <clears throat> more like a, a, a four. Well, it'd be like a four player call of duty, but I don't know if those games could do well in this day and age in the age of the, uh, you know, the battle Royale type of scenario. I mean, could you do just a four player online experience or, or whatever? I mean, I would play old us older people would play it because I, I honestly, I don't really like the big um, battle royale type games. I just I tried to play Fortnite for a bit. I really didn't like it. I played it for like three or four hours, and I was like, "Yep, I think I'm done." Same. Yeah, I briefly tried playing it, and because I just wanted to see what the hype was about, because everyone was talking about Fortnite, but I just couldn't get into it. Mixmaster in the chat says he was mad at the Ma- the Microsoft acquisition. I was too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When that was announced, a-, a small part of my childhood died that day. Yeah. <laughs> he says he has Jet Force Gemini, but never played it. You need to play it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Fortnite. I very briefly played it. He says Fortnite is a bad example. I guess so. I never tried to play like PUBG. Um, I know Wally really loves the new. Uh, Call of Duty games, but I don't know. I kind of feel like my uh, twitchy, you know, shooter, first-person shooter online gaming days are behind me because I just don't have the... I can't compete with those 12-year-olds, man. I just can't do it. I don't have the I don't have the twitchy uh, finger speed that I used to have back in the day. Well, yeah, you play those games and you last about two and a half seconds. Yeah. I want another Halo experience where you just have, you know, you, all your friends together and you're playing and you're you're talking crap to one another and you're you know you're you're drinking some some drinks and having some pizza and just having a good old time playing video games together. That's what I miss. I don't want to play a hundred ninety nine other strangers that are talking about how you know they're doing sexual acts on my mother. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I just, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, why hear that online when chances are one of your friends would probably say it? Yeah, exactly. I'd rather, you know, slap a friend upside the head than, you know, a total stranger. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at least I give the friend the credit for saying it to your face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's... Now, one one of my big ideas for 2021, what I want to do for an episode of this show is do a Halo-centric show, because next year is the 20-year anniversary of the original Halo game. Mm. And I want to bring on, like, you know, you mentioned Wally, and I had mentioned Robbie. Just bring those two on, and we can just tell some fun Halo stories. Yes. I want Let's do that. Let's do a Halo roundtable. That honestly could be, like, the first episode of 2021. Yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. We could record it over the holidays. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I I would absolutely love that. But you just uh, my quick wrap up on Rare. I mean, I've said it multiple times. It's my favorite collaboration between gaming studios. It was the perfect marriage. And yeah, I it's like that couple that you really like, whether it's in high school or college, and it breaks your heart to see them <laughs> not together anymore. Yeah, that's what Nintendo <laughs> and Rare was for me. You know, they're going to get back together eventually. It's just it's got to take time. Yeah. And when that happens, I will run through my neighborhood screaming. <laughs> uh, this next story is from PSU.com. Uh, the rumor is Grand Theft Auto 6, likely set in Vice City, suggests retro 80 synthwave project. Rockstar's, uh, Rockstar Games is keeping its cards uh, card close to the chest in regards to Grand Theft Auto 6, but fresh rumors about the crime juggernaut have suggested that it could be set in Vice City. Um, according to Pete Rice's Retro 80 Synthwave project, Vectorhold, which specializes in sound design and production for 80s slash 90s retro gaming soundtracks and filming scoring. According to Rice, folk involved in music rights clearing have started to contact Synthwave artists for a radio station, which suggests that Vice City could make a comeback in the new GTA. Um... This should be taken with a pinch of salt, as nothing official has been confirmed. But to be honest, um, you probably won't hear about much about GTA 6 for a while. 
especially uh, since Rockstar is looking to bring GTA 5 to the PS5 and Xbox Series X in 2021, um, which is crazy because uh, GTA 5 is what like six, seven years old now, and mm-hmm. it's it's still like the the online component is like one of the be- uh, most used um, online gaming whatever right now and they're still that that game has made rockstar billions of dollars at this point and i've never played it i haven't either it just it tells you the success of it if they're gonna port it to the ps5 and the xbox x Mm -hmm. the last one i played was vice city that was the last gta i played I can't remember the one that came out after it. It might have been San Andreas. Uh, no, I, I think San Andreas was three because I played San Andreas, and I think Vice City was the one that came right after it, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It might have been... I can't remember what it was, but I briefly played the one after that. But Vice City is still, to this day, far and above my favorite Grand right. Theft Auto game. I'm kind of so excited wanna, about that. If they bring uh, Vice City back, I'll jump back into GTA. Oh, absolutely. I, I loved Vice City. Everything from the gameplay, the soundtrack was incredible. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Staff Sergeant Sketch said Vice City came before San Andreas, so San Andreas was the last one that I played. Okay. That's what I had thought, because I remember briefly playing it, but it just didn't... Yeah, it didn't resonate with me as much as Vice City did. Dude, I can still remember the TV commercials for Vice City. You remember it? Oh yeah, it made the the song <laughs> um, "I Ran" from a flock of seagulls uh-huh. relevant again. <laughs> that was such a cool commercial. That commercial is what got me to play the game. Yeah, because I'm such they an, don't make a game freak. commercials like they used to. I'm a freak for anything '80s, and if you throw flock of seagulls at me, and you know, like Miami Vice style. Uh, trailer at me. I am all. I am you've you've got me. You, you got my money. When we're done with the show, I should send you the graphics I've made uh, for work because next week we're doing '80s trivia, yeah. and I've made some really cool stuff that I think you'll like. So I'll since you're an '80s nut, I'll send it over to you <laughs> for you to take uh, a look at. They, uh, Mike Mixmaster says I should review GTA Three. I actually wouldn't mind. I like the old GTA games. Um, especially San Andreas. Like I had such a good time playing that game because it was all like, you know, '90s style hip hop. Like I don't know, kind of that that whole Compton era of uh, you know the '90s. Like that was just something cool. Like Vice City and that one are so cool. I'd love to review those. Absolutely, no, that'd be fun. But for our last story. For the week, this comes to us from CNN.com. Nintendo profit jumps more than 400% thanks to the Switch and Animal Crossing. The Japanese company posted another round of blockbuster earnings Thursday, proving that its hot streak from the pandemic is far from over. The company said it made 145 billion yen, which equates to $1.37 billion in the United States. An operating profit for the quarter ended June, marking a 428% surge compared to the same time a year ago. That blew away expectations from analysts who had estimated about 62 billion yen of profit, according to the data provided by Refinitiv. It also doubled sales from a year ago, taking in about 358 billion yen, which equates to 3.4 billion. Holy shit. Nintendo has all the money. Yes. (laughs) Dude, and it says here uh, 22.4 million copies of Animal Crossing. Just Animal Crossing. Nuts. 20. What is the highest selling game of all time? Let let me Google that real quick. Mm, What would be the highest selling video game of all time? I mean, I I don't know if it would be like a. Of the modern era, like it's got to be up there. I don't know if the original Super Mario Brothers counts because it was a pack-in game. Yeah. Uh, it says well, it says right now Minecraft is the uh, the the highest-selling video game of all time with 176 million copies. <laughs> that's like almost that's a third of the population of of America. 
Yeah, so one in three people would have a copy of Minecraft. All right, let's see here. We got uh, IGN with the uh, top 10 best-selling video games of all time. Uh, Number 10 is Diablo 3 with 30-plus million. Um, That was a great game. Uh, Wii Sports Resort with 33.9. Mario Kart Wii, 37.14 million. Uh, Number 7, Super Mario Brothers, 40 million. Um, Pokemon Red, Blue, Green, Yellow, 45 million. Um, Player Unknown Battleground, 50 million. Wii Sports, 82.86. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 with 110 million units sold. <laughs> Number two, Man. Minecraft with 200 million. Um, Tetris. Holy shit, dude. Tetris is the number one selling video game of all time. Just take a guess. How many copies Tetris has sold? What was number two? Again? Number two was uh, uh, Minecraft with two hundred million. I will say four fifty. You're close. Five hundred million copies of Good Tetris. Good God, <laughs> that's half a billion copies of Tetris has been sold to this wow. day. Wow. I wonder if all that money still goes... I don't even know what goes, to say to that. Does all that money still go back to the uh, the Russian government? Or does it go to the guy that actually made Tetris? If it goes to the guy that made Tetris... <laughs> change his name to Scrooge McDuck. Dude, like, that's unreal. That's nuts. <laughs> I can't believe that. Wow. Half a billion. Holy Half crap. a billion copies and i just saw something the other day i was actually going to put it in the news but uh it just happened i think if i'm not mistaken the switch just outsold the original nes um to be the second um highest selling nintendo console uh i think it's right above like 70 million or 60 million something like that and then uh, the Wii is the highest selling with, I think, 105 or 109 million units, something like that. Yeah, my guess would have been the Wii is number one just because it was like the ultimate casual gamer system. Oh, to going back to uh, GTA, the RC plane can burn in the pits of Tartarus. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that part. I hated that part in the game. But I will tell you one thing that GTA uh, San Andreas did teach me. It taught me how to back up a truck with a trailer. And that's the truth. <laughs> you can learn from video games. Yeah, you can learn all kind of things from video games. Rampage says he didn't like any of the GTA games. Really? I guess it's it's uh, I don't know. I guess it's kind of I a, can I can see it being an acquired taste. Yeah. Because being honest, especially being kind of an early really open world game that it was because it was kind of uh you know, there wasn't a linear storyline to it. You just kind of went around and did jobs for people and you there's a storyline you're following, but it's not like you know, it's not like uh, like Breath of the Wild where you have this main storyline you're going through and you're you're more or less like pushed in the right directions when you need to to go, you know, do certain things, but I feel like with the old GTA games it's sort of like you just sort of stumbled across stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I kind of agree Rampage, it's too fetchy. But then again, you know, that's that's pretty much every MMO and RPG ever made is fetch quests. So uh, that's that's direct lineage of RPGs. Yeah. But no, anyway, I agree. Um, you ready to move into this month in video game history? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, on August of 1982, Nintendo releases Donkey Kong Jr., the sequel to Donkey Kong. Also, the only game to feature Mario as the villain. Yes. I because never really you're trying liked Don- to rescue Donkey Kong from, uh, from Mario. I was never a big fan of Donkey Kong Jr. I like the original Donkey Kong. Oh, absolutely. No, the, the first one is, to me, 
if you were to make a list of the five most important video games ever made, I think Donkey Kong would be on it. Yeah. And because three, it, rev- it revolutionized a genre and introduced the character of Mario. And three is just weird because you got to spray bug spray up Donkey Kong's ass. And that's just. <laughs> I, I tried playing that recently. I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> How did this get made? It's like. It's not Mission Impossible bad. Yeah. <laughs> very few Nothing. things are. Not much is Mission Impossible bad, except for Superman 64, things like that. And yeah, We should go back. A segment that we might should do for our uh, 200th show is the five worst games we've ever reviewed. Yeah. I think I so. think those three have to go on it. Oh, yeah. Fester's Quest is up there. Um. Trying to think of some others. I know I've played. I've played some pretty bad games on this show. I have to go back through our uh, our discography. Yeah, and uh, and look and see. But what is a good game? August fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Net uh, Nintendo releases Metroid by Motoko Kano, the first in the Metroid series. Yeah, I was just Hope watching Arcus. Um, this guy on Twitch that I, I watch a lot, he uh, he holds the nin- Ninja Gaiden world record. He's preparing to do what's called the Big 20. It's this big um, tournament uh, with speedrunners coming up in September where they do they have to complete tasks for 20 different original Nintendo games. And uh, he's been practicing, and I watched him play through Metroid earlier. Nice. No, Metroid's a great game. Uh, let's see, August 26th of 1989, Nintendo releases the Zelda Game & Watch. Now, that's something I wish I could come across at a yard sale as a Game & Watch. I've never played the Zelda Game & Watch. I know for the Game Boy, Nintendo released what was called the Game & Watch Gallery Collection. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of those old games, but I never played like the physical Game & Watch system. But I don't want to play the Zelda one at some point. I didn't know this they is were one of the few Zelda games I've never played. I didn't know they were still making Game and Watches by '89. Because didn't the uh, Game Boy come out in '89? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's weird. Well, you think they were still making NES games up until like four years after the SNES came out? True. Yeah. But I, I just didn't know they were still making Game and Watches by that time. Uh, That's actually a good trivia question. If you do like video game trivia, what was the first handheld system released by Nintendo? It's not the Game Boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let's see. In August of 1990, Pit Fighter from Atari Games introduces digitized sprites to arcade fighting games. I loved playing this in the the arcade, but man, the ports to the Super Nintendo was terrible. I never played it on the... uh, Did they make a Genesis one? I'm sure they did. Uh... Yes, they did. Okay. Yeah, it was it was terrible, but the uh, uh, arcade version was pretty fun. Yeah, I I like the the cover of just like the big muscular dude punching the other yeah. guy. <laughs> I dig it. On August fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, the NES Nintendo Entertainment System is discontinued in North America. So that's. Aww. Four years after the almost to the day that the Super Nintendo came out, because the SNES came out in late August. Dude, that's almost yeah, like you said, almost twenty five years to the day. On Friday, it will be twenty five years exactly that it was discontinued. Wow. Wow. I'm getting old, man. I don't like it. We all are. We all are. Uh, let's see, uh, August 25th of 97, GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64 is released. What else, what else, what more can we say about GoldenEye 007? Top five in 64 game, easily. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have, if you can only have five games in your collection for the N64, GoldenEye's gotta be on there. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few film adaptations that actually worked which i mean people say that it was like people love it for the multiplayer but the the story mode was fun too i mean it it's pretty much the same as the movie but yeah i had fun playing through the campaign i remember playing through the campaign but mostly it was uh you know playing the multiplayer with friends that was the 99 percent of it yeah 
Let's see. Um, August 5th of 1999, Namco releases Soul Calibur for the Dreamcast in Japan. I never played the original, but mm. I did play the second one. I think we might have mentioned this last week, mm. but when Soul Calibur 2 came out, they had the console exclusives, and I got the GameCube one because it had Link as a playable character. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, this was the one that had... Uh... Wasn't this the one that had uh, Yoda as the as mm-hmm. one of the downloadable characters? Yeah. Yep. I remember that. And for yeah, our so, last, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad game. Yeah, I remember playing it a little bit. Um, was it for the Xbox 360 or was it the original Xbox? I don't remember. Let me look this up real quick. What Soul did... Calibur Two would have been, I think, for the original. Xbox. Uh, yeah, this it was for the Xbox 360. It came out July 2nd of 2008. Okay. Yeah. Alright. It's not a bad game. Learn new something every day. Uh, yep. here, let's see. What is it? Uh, August 1st of 2000, WWF Royal Rumble is released uh, for arcades and the Sega Dreamcast. I never so played I felt Royal like Rumble. I never played this one, but a couple of years before this, and to me, like the mid to late 90s, is when wrestling games started to become decent. Yeah. Like the graphics still weren't great, but the gameplay was a lot better. Like I loved playing like WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy for the N64. I briefly played a WCW game for the PlayStation, but I love those games mostly just to, you know, create myself and create friends, and we all just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're those, talking, those were fun to do. They were talking about Arcus in the chat room for a minute, and uh, Mixmaster added him. And yeah, it, Arcus is the the Bob Ross of video games. I've never seen anybody that can play Ninja Gaiden and never get angry at anything ever. The dude never gets angry ever. No matter how hard not, a game is, he never gets angry. It's not death; it's a happy accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dude I'm serious his channel is almost like ASMR to me if I put it on in the afternoons when I get home from work it like gently lulls me into a nap for a little while that's awesome (laughs) but uh, before we go into the review tonight Derek has shout outs yes so as always we like to give a shout out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro we want to shout out Armez Jackson Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. And because we are still at that $50 level, we will be actually in the next couple of weeks recording our commentary track for Street Fighter. Sweet. I can't so wait for that. that. I'm, I'm, ex- oh, gonna- I'm so excited. I am too. I, I might actually watch the movie before we do the commentary. You know what? I might do that this seen time. I've movie in years. I, I'm going to do that this time. I want to watch it beforehand. It's a fun movie. I'm, I'm excited good. to talk about it. Like, at least there's a there's a certain level of bad that is entertaining and good, and that's what Street Fighter is to me. You know what we need to do? We need to play. We need to review Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Did you ever play that I'm down one? With that. <laughs> I have not. How do you? It's the movie's based off a game, and then they make a game based off of movie. It's based off a game. How do you like that's so? That's so freaking meta. <laughs> I just love that title, Street Fighter: The Movie, The Game. Yeah, uh, based off the game, <laughs> based off Street. It's like Street Fighter: The Movie, The Game, based off Street Fighter: The Game, or something like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I think that's actually a really good idea. I've never played it, but I will be more than happy to. Awesome. I'm I'm down for reviewing that. I know it's bad, but I think it's like a it, it'd be funny to review it. For sure. But back to Patreon, if you guys want to contribute to our Patreon and be part of the Patreon family, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Oh yeah, Rampage said he had it. The uh, the movie the game for Saturn. So he knows. He knows. He said it was cool. (laughs) Uh, And tonight, I'm going to be talking about... That's not very loud. I'm sorry. It was as loud as I could get it. 
Goblin Sword for the Nintendo Switch is a 2D action platformer created by developer... I, I'm going to destroy this. By developer Eleftherios Christodulatos. I hope I even got remotely close to saying his name right. <laughs> if you got that correct, you should get an achievement. Like uh, just like little icon pops yeah. up. <laughs> it's called the Wordsmith Achievement. Yeah. Um, the game was released for iOS on the 11th of September 2014 and Nintendo Switch on February 20th, 2020. I wonder why it took so long to get to the Switch. Six years, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, the game involves slaying as many monsters as a player can, collect loot, avoid dangerous traps, and defeat menacing bosses before facing the evil wizard himself. It has 89 levels each with two treasure chests, usually hidden behind a fake wall. There are also crystals which are collected to unlock secret levels. In the game, there is a limited amount of health. Every time a player gets hit, they lose one heart. If the player was to fall down a pit, they would lose all health. Um, there are currently 24 weapons and relics, uh, as well as 36 achievements in the game. It's set in a medieval fantasy genre and has settings such as forests, calves, and castles. When you kill a monster, you will receive coins or a group of coins called a gem. These coins can be used to buy things such as weapons or armor. It has main areas including great forest, ancient castle, dark caves, lost city, and sacred ruins. And there are also several bosses in the game. Um... When I first started, I, did, I didn't know what to expect when, when I downloaded this a few weeks ago. I, um, I was looking for something cool to play and kind of just came across this in the, the um, this eShop and looked at the, uh, the trailer for it. I was thinking, this looks kind of cool. I'm going to check this out. And so I downloaded it. I think I bought it for like, what was it on sale? Do you, do you remember? It was just like... 99 mm, cents was or something something like that yeah yeah it was very very cheap so i got it and um started playing it and it's it, it had a very um and i don't know why i got a lot of zelda vibes off this game for some reason um but it's not really zelda like because it, it's it's a 2d uh platformer but the thing that i noticed most about the game is its simplicity and its controls it has the tightest controls of any like uh, retro-style game I've ever played on the Switch. And I think that that really lends to how much I really enjoy playing the game. Because, like I said, it's simplistic. You have your, your different areas. You, you, know, you have your forest areas, a, a castle, um, dark caves, a... Um, a lost city, you know, sacred ruins. And you go through, and each section has um, something like 16 or 18 uh, different areas within that section that you have to get through. And you have like a mini boss and then a, a whole um, a boss for that level. And you go through each section, and you got to find the two treasure chests, which are always hidden in each section and then you've got three gems to get in in that level and i don't know what it is about that game but it totally captured me uh, as far as wanting to just go through those levels again and again looking for um the treasure chests and all the gems and then going back to the you know the store to upgrade my armor or buy a new sword um you know, a new relic, which my favorite relic in the game at this point is there's a relic you can get. It's a ring that uh, summons the Grim Reaper. So you're just running around and you have the Grim Reaper over your shoulder and he attacks other enemies for you. And it's awesome. He just he's got it. You know, the Sith, the scythe, and he just like flies over and just starts whacking people with the scythe. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> so. What you've been playing it too? Um, what are, what have you been? Uh, what did you think about it? So for me, you know, you told me multiple times that I should get the game and that I would really like it. So I, I downloaded it and I had enough coins saved up to where I only had to pay like thirty cents to get it. So it was insane the price that I paid for it. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those games that you know I, I can usually tell pretty quickly if I'm going to like a game or not. 
mm-hmm. within the first like 30 seconds of me playing it. But as soon as I started, I felt like I was playing the Super Nintendo again. Yes. <laughs> and I love that. Like, and, it, and I know that, you know, looks aren't that important when it comes to a game, but I'll use them in this case because it looks like it belongs on the Super Nintendo. Yes. And to me, my immediate thought of it is this is Zelda 2 done right. Yes. I got that little bit of a Zelda vibe like you did. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, Zelda 2, you know, had that 2D, almost like a platforming aspect to it. Yeah. But everything from what you collect, the treasure that you find, it gives you a reason to keep going back. And the cool thing is each, um, well, not each chest, but every now and then you'll get like an important item. You know, you get like the certain number of potions to increase your health. Yeah. That will, that gives you a reason to keep going back to those levels and trying to find the chest because some of them are really well hidden. Yeah, there's some that I still haven't find, I haven't found, and the fact that each level is so big, where it has, I believe it's 18. I believe you were correct on that. There's the mini boss, then the final boss, but it just keeps, you know, you keep having reasons to go back and yep. try and collect everything, and then get more cash so you can upgrade your armor, upgrade your weapons. That that's my. My one sentence sum up of it hmm. is that it made me feel like a kid again playing the Super Nintendo, and it was if Zelda Two were done right, yeah. it would be Goblin Sword. And it's just it's it's scratching some kind of itch that I didn't know I had. Like I feel so like there's a sense of accomplishment in the game when you can get through a level and you find everything you're supposed to get in in that level, and you know, you move on to the next area and you kind of feel like you, you get, it's one of those games, like it's tough, but it's not so hard that it's frustrating because the controls are so good. It's just sort of like, I know I can do this better. And I know Mm. that, okay, here's an area I haven't checked out yet. And then you, you know, you find your way up onto this ledge and then the wall ends up being invisible and you find that chest you've been looking for, you know, for the last 30 minutes, and you're like, oh, finally, I found it. And there's just this weird sense of accomplishment with it. And I don't know, it's just, there's just something about this game. There's like a charm to it, like the way it looks, um, the way it plays. It, Like you said, it feels like it, it would have fit right on the Super Nintendo back in, you know, 1992. Like you would have had, like this would have been a game on the Super Nintendo, and I would have played it until you know my eyes bugged out of my head just because it scratches that weird itch of wanting to like find all the secret areas and and doing this crazy platforming and the platforming it can get pretty crazy and it was like when you master like the double jump and you get like this huge gap and there will be like uh, a gym way down at the bottom of the screen. So you got to jump, let yourself fall and you get that gym and then hit the button again and you jump back up. And there's just something totally satisfying about that. And you're just like, I can't believe I just made that jump. And it's, and then you get like an upgrade. There's another relic that lets you do a triple jump. That you know, you you know, I haven't got that one yet. Yeah, and I now I'm just like, all right, well now I know there's going to be levels where you have to use a triple jump to get where you need to go. And uh, Rampage said it's right now it's forty not four four ninety nine on Switch, and it's completely worth it. It is worth yes. more than five bucks. If I could, I would have given them fifteen easily for this game. Well, I think you bring up a good point is that, you know, something that's fairly common that we do on the show is we talk about the games that we played when we were kids and how they had that unique charm. Mm-hmm. This has that charm because it feels like a game that we would have played back in the back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's why both you and I liked it so much. Yeah. Or a big reason why. It's like I, I'm trying to compare it to something, but that... I don't really know what to compare it to, but like like you said, it, this is what Zelda Two shoulda coulda been. I, I guess I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think of something that was on the Super Nintendo that I could compare this to, but there's not. 
really because it it's just I don't know like you can tell the people that made it and it's only two guys that made this game one programmed it and um the programmer was John Christodoulatos and I guess his brother left Lefteris Christodoulatos and they are com- they are not American <laughs> and um it's just two guys, and then the developer was Eletherios. I guess that must be their, um, their company or whatever. But it's just two brothers made this game. One made the art, one programmed it, and you can tell they were fans of you know the sword and and you know the beat 'em up platform, uh, you know sword and magic like uh, Nintendo games because. Maybe it's kind of closer to like a Wizards and Warriors type of game because it does kind of have that look to it. Like if Wizards and Warriors was a 16-bit game, but way better controls. Like imagine Wizards and Warriors if it had tight controls and it's it's that kind of aesthetic to it. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that. But man, I got to tell I'm not even... I think I've only opened up so far the 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 first forest area, the castle, the dark caves, and then there's another ancient castle that pops up. Uh, I think it was the ancient castle or maybe the sacred ruin in that first part of the map. And then there's another second part of the map, but there's like a fourth area that opens up on the first part of the map, and I get, I'm on the fourth area now. I, uh, I just finished the Dark Caves, and I can't stop playing this damn game, man. I can't. It's so good. No, I've really started, because I didn't start playing it until this past weekend, but anytime I've had extra time to spare... I've been playing this game. I, I'm in the. I'm not as far along as you are, but man, this game has really sucked me in. Yeah. Once you start, I, I can't wait to keep playing it. Once you start getting the uh, the different relics and things like that, like I, you get one that has like a a dragon, uh, a baby dragon that follows you around. One that has uh, um, the uh, the Grim Reaper that follows you around. Um, there's one that. Um, uh, there's a relic. It's a vest that you put on that I had to use on the last level of the dark caves area where I had to jump into the lava to get to where I needed to go. And there's a vest that makes you immune to lava. So the different relics that you get um, are for getting you through certain areas. And you're going to know which relic you need to use when you get to that certain area. So you'll have to, you know, either quit that area, go back to the shop and either buy the relic or, you know, put the relic on um, if you already have it in your inventory. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of it is uh, you have a home, uh, a house too that you go to and you have different quests that you have to do throughout the game also. I forgot to mention there's quests that you do during the game. There's like, uh, you know, put out 10 uh, braziers and, you know, collect this sword, collect this relic, do this, like kill this many enemies. And that's another aspect of the game that, you know, captures your attention. And you're just like, okay, well, I got to, I got to extinguish 10 braziers. How do I do that? Well, you have a sword that is a, a water-based sword that, um, you know, that when you swing it, it's kind of the sword itself is made of water. And another cool thing is, is you have a magic meter too. We didn't even talk about this. You have a magic meter and and your swords, each sword has a different kind of secondary um, magical aspect to it. Like, like the water sword, when your magic meter is full and you get, you know, these little orbs when you're going through the level and the little orbs will fill up your magic meter and that makes your your sword that much stronger because it uses the magic that the the sword has and like the the water shoots out this uh 
you know, uh, this ball of water that then explodes and like sends all these projectiles across the screen, killing, you know, everything in your path. And, you know, there's another sword that I liked using that um, it's like a big, huge broadsword. And the um, secondary aspect was that you throw it and it, you know, it it spins across the stage or the, the, the you know, the, the screen and it kills everything in its path. And you can run and jump and it will follow you wherever you go. So you can just kind of keep the sword behind you like spinning and it just takes out whatever, you know, any enemy in its path. And it's so cool. I'm starting to learn that about the sword aspect now. Cause I got, I think it might be called the dark sword mm-hmm. or something like that. That has yeah. a different ability than the sword you start with. So yeah. I, I'm just now starting to learn, you know, like going to the shop and finding the different armor and the different swords that have the different abilities that you can use. So yeah. it's that's a really fun aspect of the game. Yeah, it's really cool cuz like you like you said every single weapon whether it's a sword or a polearm, they all have a secondary magical aspect to them and it's all different and they all you can use each one to help you achieve uh, a quest you know, through, throughout the game. Like, like I said, there's one that, uh, <laughs> thank you for the nerd cave retro rules in the chat room. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like I said, there was a quest to where you have to extinguish 10 braziers and you use that, that water sword to extinguish them as you're going through the level. And once you get 10, that quest is, uh, that quest is finished. So it, it's, it's really, there's just so much for as simple as the game is there's just everything about it is designed to to make you want to keep going and keep you know f- finishing the uh, the quests and and getting upgrades and all that stuff so it's got that slight RPG aspect to it that just it's totally scratches that itch. Yeah, it, it adds a little bit of like a multi-genre facet to it, mm-hmm. but it, it's a good marriage, like a good mix of different aspects because you have the platforming, you have the RPG when it comes to collecting items and you have the different quests and everything. So I, I love when games like that can almost combine genres, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they're trying to combine genres. It's just a successful game. Yeah. Um, and as far as uh, some of the reviews, the, the aggregate view uh, reviews on Metacritic, it's got an eight out of or eighty out of a hundred on Metacritic. Uh, Touch Arcade praised its difficulty level. Uh, Mac Rumors considered it one of their top five iOS apps worth checking out. Um, I'm gonna say it's probably one of the best uh, indie games you can get for. The Nintendo Switch, and at five, even at five dollars, I think I only paid like ninety nine cents for it on sale. But even at five dollars, it's completely one hundred percent worth it. Uh, if you're a listener of this show, then you like a certain type of video game, and this video game is that game. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, you know, I, out of a, a scale of one to ten. I don't like to give perfect scores, but I can't find anything about this game to bitch about. So it's going to get a 10 out of 10. I love it. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with that score. Uh, granted, I haven't played it as much as you do, but like you, I haven't seen anything that I would really bash about it. I mean, it's perfectly polished to be such a, 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 you know, a meaty little game by two guys you know it's kind of like super meat boy i mean i know that game is ridiculously difficult (laughs) you know super meat boy but it's kind of this game's kind of in the spirit of that that you know two-man team or two-person team making this really good like every nook and cranny has been you know thought about and it you can tell this game this game was made with love and love for the genre and love for 
uh, this era of gaming, and I cannot believe that it's not on every platform. Like, you should be able to get this on the PlayStation. You should be able to play this on Xbox Live. Like, this is crazy that it's not everywhere right now. You would think that it would be. Uh, Maybe eventually. I would, I would think it would be on Steam, too. Like, this is a perfect Steam game. That's the most surprising one to me. I thought it was honestly available for the Switch and for Steam. Yeah, I don't but know. But that's not the case. But anyway, I I can't recommend it enough. If you have a Switch, and I am completely in love with the Switch as far as trying to find really good uh, indie games. And the Switch, if you're an indie gamer and you like indie games, the Switch is the place to be. Because you're going to find stuff like this all the time. And this game is what the Switch was made for. It's perfect for the Switch. Absolutely. But uh, but let's, that's going to bring us to the end. And uh, anything else you'd like to throw out there before we leave tonight? Well, the two things. So first we wanted to talk about the Nerd Cave Retro Discord, which is grown exponentially since we started it mm -hmm. and if you want to be a part of the fun community and you know i know i don't communicate every single day but I, I love seeing the interaction that everyone does and what i'll do is um right after the show's posted i'll also post a link uh where you can sign up to the discord that won't expire so you can um just follow us on twitter at nerd cave retro and we'll post the link there. Yeah, please, um, please, you know, be come be a part of our community. We got so many cool people uh, in our community now on uh, our Discord, and it just it go it it's all day long. Like we're just in there talking about stuff and and laughing, sharing memes. So and it's such a like great respite from the ugliness that is social media. So if you're looking for a cool community to be a part of, come over to the nerd cave retro discord and be a part of our awesome community. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But the other thing I wanted to, to throw out there is this is something that I've been thinking about doing for my show, probably dating back to last year. And that is, this Friday, I'm finally launching the Derek Diamond Experience Patreon. Woo! It will be this Friday. I'll, I won't take up too much time, but I'll just briefly go over the, the three tiers that are available. So there's the $3 level, which gets you early access to episodes. Because what I'm going to start doing is batch recording. So that way I have episodes in the can, you know, weeks in advance. So... I haven't decided if it's going to be up to a week advance or maybe like three or four days before it, it's available to the public, but you get early access to episodes as well as a shout out on air and on social media. Then there's, I forgot to mention that's called the production assistant category. <laughs> I try, I'm it's cheesy names, but I love them. Um, then there's the producer tier, which is $5 a month where in addition to those two things, you get to, Vote to decide the topic of a what will be a monthly roundtable episode, whether it's about an aspect of the film industry like editing, writing, or just a fun discussion about a movie or a franchise. Mm -hmm. And also, if you've ever listened to any of my interviews and you're like, why didn't you ask this question? <laughs> you get the chance to ask. You awesome. get to submit questions. And what I'll do is I'll post like thread, hey, I'm interviewing so-and-so if you want to leave um, a question you know, I'll read it on the air. But then there's the director tier, which is $10 a month. You get all of that. Plus, I will be doing a monthly Q&A, not just about film, but just anything that you'd want to talk about. If, I'm, if I make up to $20 a month, then I will do an extra episode, likely some type of like a roundtable discussion. And I will be doing a... if the show gets up to $30 a month, I will be doing a monthly giveaway that you can have a chance to win some cool prizes. Fantastic. 
So it'll be at patreon.com slash Podcast That launches this upcoming Friday. And it will have a, if you sign up um, on Friday, you will get access to what will be the following week's episode because I'm doing two interviews uh, tomorrow. So awesome. you'll get to start right off with some exclusive content. It's It's something I've gone back and forth on for a while, but I figured... I'm not going to know if it works unless I actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mixmaster asks us uh, if our only other shows are Open Micers and Derek Diamond Experience. Uh, yes. Uh, open Micers is my other podcast that I do right here on Twitch on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, you can also look for it, Open Micers uh, podcast on wherever you get your podcasts from, you know, Spotify, uh, wherever <laughs> it, it's everywhere, um, and no pop culture palette is no longer available anywhere. I wish it was. Uh, I think you can probably get the last fifteen or so episodes of it. It, it may still be on. Uh, what was that called? Uh, Stitcher, because they yeah. cache their own <clears throat> uh, own. Uh, I guess MP3 of it. Um, you may be able to find like the last 10 or 15 episodes of it on uh, Stitcher, but it's no longer available anywhere else. I may um, every once in a while put one out as <laughs> like a Patreon bonus episode or something here. Um, I'll go find an old good episode to put out. You could post some of the because remember we did the crossover shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did with that one. PCP and the and the Nerd Cave. Yeah, because honestly, like through Pop Culture Palette is how you and I met. Yeah, I mean we did a lot of interviews on that show with a lot of famous people, and it'd be good to put that stuff back out there. Like we talked to uh, the guys that created uh, the Suicide Squad. Um, uh, we, of course, we talked to Brian O'Halloran a few times. Um, trying to remember everybody that we talked to so many people on that show it was crazy um we talked to game developers and comic book writers and artists and it was nuts so i may start putting out a few of those episodes as a uh, patreon exclusives that'd be cool no i i enjoyed pop culture palette quite a bit back in the day and it's funny because we were actually talking before we started about how different you know our lives are now compared to even like three years ago, much less six or seven years ago. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. Um, Axplato7 says Twitch Prime. Uh, if any, He's not sure if anybody has Twitch Prime, but some great games on it now for free. SNK 40th Anniversary and a bunch of other Neo Geo games are on there for free. That sounds pretty sweet. <clears throat> Apparently they have free loot each month. That sounds pretty That's nice. Really- that's really cool. But uh, but I'm pretty much ready to get out of here, if you are. Um, the only other thing I got to, to tell everybody is, of course, the Open Micros podcast on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Um, and, of course, keep an eye out on my uh, Twitter on Friday at JFunktastic um, about the, uh, the Ninja Gaiden tournament, and I'll let everybody know when my slot is going to be. And you can watch me play right here on my Twitch channel along with everybody else that's in the tournament real quick i did want to plug because i feel like and i know we don't talk about a ton of serious stuff on the show but the episode i did for my show this week it's on facebook live now but if you want to watch or listen to the audio version you can i did a really informative chat with a female filmmaker named rebecca day she is a film producer and also a licensed therapist. Mm. So we talk a lot about mental health, the impact that COVID-19's had on it, and especially because she works pretty much specifically with those who work in the film industry. So it was a really good chat about mental health that I think applies to everybody. So that sounds like a great I, I would episode. recommend go check that out. I definitely will. Is that, is that out already? It's going to come out tomorrow. Okay, good. I will listen to it while I'm at yep. work. I'm going to finish editing the audio version when we get out of here. Fantastic. And I'm going to edit this up too. Um, but let's go ahead and get out of here, shall we? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. 
And of course, individually, at JFontastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook, blech, facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, where you can go throw us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on. And of course, if we stay above that $50 a month level, we will give you those extra episodes every month. And this month will be Street Fighter, the movie. Um, if you can't do that, can't throw us a couple bucks a month, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please... Tell everybody what it's all about. Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. <laughs> Master Blaster runs by the town. You blow it!